Hello, everybody. Welcome into the College Football 365 podcast. I'm Dylan Cowan Crowley. I'm joined by co-host Marty Leap. Uh, and I know we do have a, a couple brand new listeners, a, a nice deal of brand new listeners into the podcast after our last episode with Sam Herter going over the FCS, uh, sorry, the moves from FCS to FBS, whether it's uh, James Madison, Sam Houston State, Jacksonville State, or players uh, this upcoming season. Uh, so thank you for checking out that podcast. And if you're a new listener, thank you for uh, coming back for another podcast. So quickly, before we get into today's topics, we're just going to quickly reintroduce the podcast, reintroduce ourselves. Um, as you know, this is the College Football 365 podcast. Uh, we started this podcast, well, me and uh, one of my other co-hosts, Anthony Zahn, started this podcast about a year and a half, almost two years ago, maybe. I guess it's two years ago. Um, uh, just because we're two uh, college football addicts, uh, I I somewhat work in college football recruiting. Uh, I or college football journalism. I work at Rivals as a recruiting analyst for Oregon State and Minnesota, as well as covering Penn State a little bit. Um, Marty, uh, you can introduce yourself if you want. Uh, yeah, like. Dylan said, you know, we've been doing this for, I mean, I came on a little bit later than you guys did, but we've been doing this for what, a year and a half, two years now. Um, Dylan and I previously worked together at Black Shoe Diaries of SB Nation covering Penn State Athletics, where I still write on the side as a, as a side gig to my real job of uh, being a special education teacher. So, yeah, you know, like I said, we're just two guys that love college football and we look for every and any reason to talk about it. And that's what led us here. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so here on the CFB 365 podcast, we, we talk about really pretty much all things college football, whether it's recent news uh, in season. We do weekly previews, weekly recaps. We cover recruiting at times. We talk about it all. If it's college football, we talk about it. And we, we post a lot on Twitter as well, as you probably know. And we're trying to grow our um, footholds on Instagram, TikTok, and uh, YouTube as well. Um so, yeah, I mean, we do a lot of exciting things here, and we are uh, really growing at a nice rate. So if you're a new listener, thank you for listening. But let's get a, let's get done talking to talking about us, and let's get into today's topic. So if you're a returning listener, we're going to go with a little bit of a new format going forward. Uh, we're going to do a, a, couple, a couple different segments. We're going to do a kickoff segment, which is just going to be a general uh, note to start the show. We're going to have then first down, second down, third down, and fourth down, which will cover our four biggest topics of the episode before we go into a punt segment, which just uh, the segment in which we will finish off the podcast and uh, with our final thoughts, questions, perhaps a question for you guys, uh, and just basically a final thought segment. Uh, and that's uh, that's going to be the way we're going to run things around here from now on. So uh Let's jump right into it with our kickoff segment, which is today, Marty. Uh, well, we're recording this on uh, Thursday, May 19th. Uh, Marty, do you know what today is uh, or what's special about today, May 19th? If I am correct, it is because as of today, we are 100 days away from the start of college football season. That's right. We are uh, We are almost uh, – well, when this goes up, we are going to be in – just double digits uh, away from college football. We're going to 
99 days. I mean, 99 seems like a lot, but uh, the summer is going to fly by, Marty, and football is going to be here before we know it. I mean, I was just thinking about it the other day. We are going to have to um, start previewing uh, conferences and teams in the upcoming weeks because uh, it's going to take a while to go through each uh, conference and uh, most, if not all, FBS teams. So looking forward to doing that. But, uh, yeah, just 100 days away from college football officially starting uh uh it's always exciting to see that countdown reach double digits and uh yeah we're, we're finally against that spot but let's go into our first segment uh of the day our first down segment which is uh the most recent news that has taken the college football world by storm marty and that is uh the budding feud uh between nick saban and kirby smart uh i mean I don't know how much you've seen. Well, I'll, I'll recap it here in a minute. But uh, what a crazy last 24 hours in college football, Marty. Yeah, it certainly been something. That press conference today from Jimbo Fisher was just a thing of beauty to watch. I mean, it was basically, hey, you say what you want about that recruiting class we just signed, but you poked the bear. I'll gladly spill the beans on what everyone was doing behind the scenes for all those years when NIL wasn't a thing. Um, and that's not to say Jimbo Fisher wasn't doing some shady things because, you know, I feel like we've all said this on the podcast before. If you're a successful college football program, you got to be doing something shady in the background because everybody's being shady. And if you're not, you're not going to be successful. But I feel like this is uh, I saw someone on Twitter kind of compare it to mutually assured destruction, where if one coach talks, probably the whole SEC is going down. So that's probably why no coaches are ever going to talk too much. But man, Jimbo was. Very animated, to say the least, in that press conference. Oh, he absolutely was. And I, I guess uh, to give uh, some background here in case people have not seen, on, I guess it was Wednesday night, at some type of event, Nick Saban was talking to, who I assume was probably a mixture of Alabama fans, Alabama boosters, so on and so forth, about recruiting and about NIL. And he referenced Texas A&M and said that the Aggies bought their, and I don't know if he said entire, but he said they bought their recruiting class. So noting how Alabama finished two, Texas A&M finished number one. He also referenced in the, uh, in, in his, uh, uh, not speech, but his, uh, whatever you want to call it, that Jackson State in the 2022 uh recruiting class pay, uh, paid a uh, five-star athlete, Travis Hunter to attend their school. Um, now Travis Hunter had since come out and said, uh, if I got paid a, a million, if I got paid a million dollars to go to Jackson state, why is my mom still living in a, uh, I forget the exact description, but basically why is his mom still living in a small house with five children? Um, which uh, is a valid argument to make, but, um, yeah, it's safe to say that Nick Saban poked um, two bears with those comments, spoken Jimbo Fisher, who came out on Thursday morning and just lit up uh, Nick Saban in that press conference. And he also poked Deion Sanders, who before going to bed last night said, you better believe that I'll have uh, something to say tomorrow about uh, what Nick Saban said on Wednesday night. Um, so let's get into what... Uh, Jimbo came back and said, because 
Uh, there are some great quotes out of Jimbo, uh, some all-time quotes. Uh, the one that sticks out is uh, he said uh, in regards to Saban, some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his deal. You may find out about a lot of things that you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of college football. Go dig into his past. Um, yeah, so um, that, that's quite the quote. I mean, we like you said, if you're successful in college football, you're doing shady things. But um, Jimbo is coming right out and saying right there that, hey, Nick Saban wants to say we're not playing fair. Uh, this guy has been playing fair for for God knows how many years. Uh, and, and Jimbo would know because Jimbo was his offensive coordinator at LSU. Yeah, you know, obviously Jimbo would know. He's worked with Saban in the past. And, I mean, let's be honest. Do you really think there wasn't some uh, bags of money and cars went up being handed around to those FSU teams of Jimbo's that won a national title and went to, what, four or five straight BCS Bulls or whatever it was? Like you said, like we said, this is big-time college football. Everybody did it. The only difference is now you can do it legally. And it has definitely ruffled a lot more feathers than I thought it would. Um I thought when NIL came to be a lot of the arguing butting heads, et cetera, that we would see would be from coaches being upset that another school basically outbid them for a player. And now I, I just think it's funny because it's not a knock on Nick Saban at all. In my opinion, the guy is the greatest college football coach of all time, probably a top five coach of all time in any sport, but for him to kind of pull the holier than thou card now and act like Alabama is doing everything right by the books for NIL and Texas A&M isn't. And that's why Texas A&M signed a better recruiting class. It's just funny to me, but yeah, it, it's, you know what, while there's a lot of bad for NIL or a lot of potential negative, I should say for NIL. And I think we're eventually going to see a lot of the, you know, what hit the fan here. Some of this, the rivalries and the things that are being said, this is good for the sport. Any sport thrives when you have this kind of banter, you have these kind of rivalries. You look at AM and Alabama in the same division, both are expected to compete for a national championship this season. That kind of stuff is good for any sport. Absolutely. I want to percent agree. And I will say before we go on, I do think that Saban didn't mean to throw a slide at Texas AM or Jimbo Fisher. I think Saban was probably more likely saying to his boosters and uh, donors that, hey, we, we're we doing all right. We finished number two. But if you want us to stay at the top where we have been for the last 15 years, then you need to start putting your money where your mouth is because look at what Texas A&M did this past season, this past recruiting cycle. Well, with the money that they were able to get through and uh, through their donors and boosters. I think that's really what Nick Saban was saying. He, he was saying that if we, if you want us to continue to compete at this level, you need to start donating to the NIL collective or whatever Alabama has going on, like Texas A&M fans have been doing for them. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I have no doubts. That's definitely true. <clears throat> I think you're going to see more of this in the NIL world of coaches using platforms like this to basically make the pitch to their boosters, to their donors, to whoever it might be, local businesses, businesses statewide, if you're a team like Alabama. Hey, 
you know, look what Texas A&M just did. If we want to, if we want to continue to win national championships is what we need. And like you said, I think that's probably what Saban was trying to accomplish more. Obviously the comments did not sit well with Jimbo, but yeah, you know, like I said, I think the rivalry aspect of it's great for college football. Players finally getting paid is great for college football, but it's not great for college football is the NCAA throwing their hands up and having no rules, no regulations, no nothing on any of this. Cause if it hasn't already, it's most certainly going to turn into the wild west. I mean, we, you know, as we'll get into a Jordan Addison, we've already kind of seen that happen and that's, what's not good for college football. Yeah. Before we get into that, a couple more quotes, just cause there's so many great quotes. Um, Jimbo opened his uh, press conference on uh, Thursday saying it's despicable that a reputable head coach can come out and say this when he doesn't get his way. The narcissist in him d- doesn't allow those things to happen. And the parroting college football he's been talking about, go to talk to coaches who've coached for him. Um, he also said, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I learned that when I was a kid, if you did, the old man slapped you side the head maybe somebody should have slapped him. Um, that second quote, man, that is something. Calling Nick Saban a narcissist is one thing, but to go then say that somebody should have slapped Nick Saban when he was younger, uh, that is, it doesn't seem like harsh words, but that is some pretty harsh words to throw around. Uh, I mean, yeah, without a doubt, especially when you're talking about, you know, Nick Saban, who is the gold standard. Like I said, in my opinion, the greatest college football coach of all time. And it's it's, it's going to make things it's going to make things very interesting on October 8th when the Aggies go to Tuscaloosa, because, I mean, if you look at their schedules, even leading up to that game, most likely both teams are going to be undefeated. Whenever they meet in Tuscaloosa in early October, there's a real possibility that the winner of that game probably wins the SEC West winner of that game, you know, in a lot of ways probably punches their ticket to the national or to the, to the college football playoff already. And I'm sure that uh, the pregame conversation between the two and the postgame handshake will certainly be something to be seen. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say from this was, uh, or two last things is uh, Jimbo did say Nick Saban had, tried calling him, uh, but he didn't take the call saying, not going to, we're done. He showed who he is. He's the greatest ever, huh? Um, Man, this is – and like I said, we've said already, this this is a guy who used to be an assistant for Nick Saban, and I'm sure they always didn't have the best in relationships, but uh, do you think this is a a result of maybe some pent-up aggression – uh, that Jimbo Fisher has had towards Saban for a while? Or do you think this is just something that set up Jimbo Fisher here and uh, he's he's not going to take Saban's shit at, at this point? I mean, it does. It has always seemed to me that if a lot of the Saban assistants who go on to get the coaching jobs, especially at the college ranks and then coach against him, uh, that Jimbo was always kind of the one that was most... like. Go back and watch Nick Saban's interview at the end of the national championship game this year. Obviously, he's upset they lost. You could tell he was happy for Kirby Smart. He was proud of Kirby Smart. It was almost like, you know, watching your son kind of take the torch uh, of, of the family or something like that. 
I've never had that sense between Jimbo and Saban. So I don't know if there was something there when they worked together in the past, or if it's just Jimbo maybe understandably looks at it. And, you know, he goes, he doesn't want to be known as the guy who's Nick Saban's offense coordinator. He's won a national championship. He's gone to the college football playoff twice. Like he's, he's a hall of fame coach on his own. Very, very respectable coach in his own right. One of the best of the last last 15 years. Absolutely. Like when it's all said and done, Jimbo Fisher's a hall of fame head coach without a doubt. And he's done it in multiple places. So whatever the reasoning is, it's always seemed to me that he did not have that same great relationship after leaving Tuscaloosa. Well, I guess not Tuscaloosa, but Baton Rouge. And after working with Nick Saban, the way a lot of these guys have. So I'm sure there's some pinup anger there, whatever, for whatever reason. And that comment just really seemed to bring it out in Jimbo. Sure. And now Nick Saban did go on Sirius XM today and apologized for sing, sing, signaling, signaling out. Uh, Texas A&M. So, I mean, he's not sorry for saying that people are paying and, you know, breaking rules in his eyes, but he's sorry that he, he singled out Texas A&M and it's, um, it may, I think it's probably one of those things that's damaged done, but I think Nick Saban is a very smart person. I don't think he did. I think he, sorry. I think he said what he said on purpose and he knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, without a doubt. Nick Saban's never a guy who doesn't say what he's saying without it being strategically planned out. Like you said, I think a lot of it was more of him trying to make a pitch to boosters, donors, et cetera, to get, get more NIL money for his players for recruiting classes. And it just wasn't received well by Jimbo, but it definitely was not. It was not an accident that, that Saban said what he said. And funny, uh, somebody asked Lane Kiffin what he thought uh, about it all. And he uh, replied, for the first time in my life, I'm speechless. Uh, but, probably, yeah, good, it, probably a good it, choice it, by it, Lane. It it's going to be an interesting story to follow because I mean, media days are uh, kind. I mean, they're uh, probably what seven, eight weeks away, but that's really not that far in the grand scheme of things. So, I mean, uh, media day is kind of right around the corner here. It, this would be an interesting story to watch as we head into the season. Yeah, without a doubt. It's going to be interesting to watch for, I mean, a lot of reasons, but most of all, like we said earlier, there's a real possibility that that winner of that Alabama and AM game in early October may have, may basically have punched their ticket to the college football playoff already at that point, you know, especially if Texas AM does get quality quarterback play this year. So, it's not just what's been said. It's not just that they're in the same division, but it's that you it's two teams who are expected to compete for a national championship this year. Absolutely. All right. And with that, we'll, we'll move on to second down where our, uh, one of the bigger news stories of today, minus Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban is the fact that USC has landed a uh, Pittsburgh wide receiver transfer, Jordan Addison, arguably the top wide receiver in the country heading into this season, not too unexpected. It came down to the Trojans and the Longhorns who did have um, Addison's former wide receiver coach, uh, Brendan Marion there at now down in uh, Austin, but uh, it, it's the Trojans to come out on top for Addison. Big, big pickup here for Lincoln Riley. Uh, adds a huge piece to that offense, which was already going to be pretty good, I think, next year, just because they have Caleb Williams. But, I mean, you have uh, Taj Washington returning after a 54-yard 
uh, sorry, 54 uh, reception, 602 yard season last year. Um, and I think Gary Bryant Jr. is also slated to return for them. Um, so, I mean, between Gary Bryant Jr., Taj Washington, and now Jordan Addison, um, USC has a very scary wide receiver core there that could give a lot of teams trouble next season. Not to yeah, mention, I mean, I think obviously yeah. one of the best quarterbacks. Yeah, all the addition of Jordan Addison does is just continue to be what has been maybe the greatest offseason in the history of college football for USC. You know, to go out and add Lincoln Riley, to add Caleb Williams, add everything else they've added in the portal, and now you bring in arguably the best receiver in the country. You know, there, there's – I already thought USC was going to be the team to beat easily, easily the team to beat in the Pac-12 before adding Addison. I think all this does add to the possibility of USC sneaking into the playoff as a one-loss Pac-12 champion. I mean, you have Caleb Williams, you have those weapons, you have maybe the best offensive mind in college football running the show. Look, go look at their schedule and tell me where where you confidently say there's at least two teams on there that are going to beat them. I don't think there is, especially in that conference. And adding Addison just adds to that. Uh, yeah, it won't surprise me at all to see the Trojans be a dark horse sneak into the college football playoff this year. No, I mean, I wouldn't blame anybody for – if you could bet on them making the playoffs, I wouldn't blame anybody for putting a bet down on there. I, I, my biggest question with USC is not the offense. I think this offense has a chance to be one of the best in the country. I'm talking 40, maybe 50 points. Um, but uh, that defense last year was pretty poor, um, and I, I just wonder if they've made enough strides on that side of the ball – uh, that they can improve on that 31.8 uh, points per game last year. They have a ton of yardage as well. Uh, I think their offense will be fine. They're going to outscore almost everybody on their schedule anyway, but you're going to also have to get some key stops along the way. I mean, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I completely agree about that USC, or USC defense, excuse me. They have a ways to go, but, I mean, you look at their, their their schedule, and it's like, man, tell me an offense on there that looks scary. Like, I have it in front of me right now. And, I mean, probably the two best teams are going to play outside of Utah are going to be UCLA and Notre Dame at the end of the season. But you look, there's probably an argument to be made the best offense they're going to face. Honestly, it might be Fresno State just because of the quarterback. And... Yeah. You know, and the talent discrepancy there between the rest of that roster, even if Jake Hayner comes out and goes bonkers in the Coliseum, I'm confident USC can outscore them. So it's, you know, I, I don't I, – they're going to lose at least one game somewhere, I think, largely because it is a team that's got a lot of holes still. You know, that October 15th trip to Salt Lake City is obviously one that sticks out. But sure. I just have a really hard time seeing USC going worse than 10-2 and in the regular season. And with 11-1 being a real possibility, and I think they win the Pac-12, and I think if they can get to the Pac-12 championship game at 11-1, they're in a position where they win that, they're going to be in. If nothing else, as I know I have said on here countless times, the playoff selection committee wants blue bloods. They want brand names. They want what's going to sell on TV. And now, man, the return of USC football to glory would have everybody glued to their TV on New Year's Eve watching that game. And – yeah, it's if you're a USC Trojan fan, you've got to be the happiest you've been right now since, you know, probably 
before Reggie Bush's lateral against Texas in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and is what is the semifinal games for this year? That I am not um, sure. Give me a second, I'll look it up. Yeah, I'm trying to um because I mean, can you imagine if it's the Rose Bowl and we are talking about potentially USC in the Rose Bowl this year in the playoffs? That would be uh, ridiculous. Um it is uh, – I, I, I can't find it, but if you find it, uh, let me know. Um, but Addison to USC. Yeah, I can't, I can't see USC losing more than two games this year just because of how powerful that offense will be. Um, it's going to be a fun team to watch. Pac-12 after dark is going to be fun uh, again this year. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how uh, Lincoln Riley does in his first year at USC. But uh, Adam, Addison is just – that's massive. Uh, that is a game-changing pickup for the – Trojans. I don't think there's any other way to say it. Um, let's move into third down here. Um, we'll go quickly through the last two here. Uh, third real, down real, is uh, real quick to circle circle back to the yeah, playoff. Sure. Uh, the sure. Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl are the semifinals. However, the national championship game is being played at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. So again, they would have to win a game to get there, obviously, but. The story writes itself for Lincoln Riley, USC national championship, SoFi Stadium. It's just it, it that one year after the Rams did it. It's just it, it that story completely writes itself. Absolutely. And then our final two topics of uh, not final, but our third down here. Uh, two big rule changes in college football. No longer there is no more initial uh, scholarship counters for recruiting classes. So as, as I read this, Marty, you can recruit as many players as you want during a recruiting cycle. The only thing that matters is if you stay under that 85 scholarship limit. Uh, that's big. That's going to just allow rich teams to get richer. Um, yeah. They're going to have, they're going to lose players due to, you know, processing and kids transferring out. Uh, but that's going to allow the rich to get richer and the talent just to be continued to be stacked on four, five, six teams across the country. Yeah, you know, I, I do wonder how much that really changes things in the grand scheme. I mean, if you look at it, there are a lot of teams who for a long time now have worked around that 25 number. There's always been loopholes to it. I think the biggest change is now teams aren't going to have to use a lot of loopholes they used to use. You know, you'd see teams sign 30, 31, 32 players knowing there would be five to six flight risk kids in that class for one reason or another. And if those five to six, at least two to three, were never going to make it to campus. You could backdate scholarships to work around, you know, with early enrollees and that sort of thing. There were always loopholes there. I think the biggest thing that changes is teams don't need to rely on the loopholes anymore. That said, sure. completely agree that the rich will continue to get richer here. I mean, I think we're very quickly – progressing towards a world of college football where we basically see the sec we see the big 10 and we see a handful of schools from the other three power five conferences branch off and do something on their own i think every year we get closer to that and i think this is a move that gets us closer to that yeah one of us can agree with that and the other big rule change here is uh the NCAA has gotten rid of uh, the requirement for divisions in order to hold a conference championship game. 
that's big news. That changes the college ball playoff pitcher hugely. It, it just now, uh, you don't need a vision. So I, I, I think we are very much moving towards a, you're going to see out, you're going to see SEC have four pods in the future, um, for the 16 teams and then other places you're going to have no divisions, uh, kind of go back to the old style, uh, which it will help because you're not going to see teams like Northwestern sneaking into Big Ten championship games. Yeah, I mean, just to stay with the Big Ten as a fan of Penn State, this is something that, you know, I really like. And I think it's just a fan college football in general. You've got to like it because, you know, to just stick with the Big Ten just because that's the conference you and I know best. How many years have we seen where Penn State, Ohio State, or Ohio State, Michigan is the de facto conference championship game? And now we're going to get where that could be the actual conference championship game. And, you know, just as a solely as a college football fan, you look at some of these just absolute instant classics we've gotten over the years of Penn State against an Ohio State, Alabama against an LSU, whatever it might be, where now we have the possibility of a rematch in the conference championship where you know they're the two best teams in the conference and they could play for it. Give me that all day because on conference championship weekend, you know, I, I don't want my upsets. I don't want my Cinderella stories. No, I want great football games. And the best way to get me a great football game on conference championship weekend is to have the two best teams in the conference play against each other. And that's finally a possibility now. Where for the last few years, the Big 12 was the only conference doing that. I agree. And I, I think it's going to create uh, better football. And I think it's going to create a lot more drama in the final weeks of the season. Uh, because now you can be a a team like a Penn State, a Michigan, Michigan State. Maybe you lost to Ohio State or lost to Ohio State and Michigan or so on and so forth. You still still have a, you now still have a chance to backdoor your way into a conference championship game appearance and maybe a college football playoff appearance. Um, all yeah, right, one, one other thing. I know we're tight on yeah. time. One other thing I will say with that, I think you're going to see a lot less of teams because it's something we've seen in the past, even with Penn State, you suffer that big first big conference loss and teams look checked out the next week. I think a big part of it is knowing they're no longer playing for that trip to the conference championship game with that still on the table. I think we see a lot less of that, which, like you said, leads to a lot more of just well-played college football games. I agree. All right, going to fourth down, just a little bit, a couple of news and notes here. Um, Ryan Day is extremely, has signed a contract extension through 2028 uh, with Ohio State and has increased his salary by $2 million from seven point, uh, about 7.5 to 9.5. Um, nothing really major, uh, I, I will say, I have to say here, uh, it's well-deserved for Ryan Day. He's quickly become one of the best coaches in college football. Um, I, I have a lot of people say to me, yeah, well, let's see what I can do when it's all his players. And we're, we're about to find out. We're about to find out. Yeah, no, I agree. And I was, to an extent, I was one of the people, let's see what he does when he doesn't have Urban Meyer's players. And then I saw him recruit, and I saw he was signing even better recruiting classes than Urban Meyer, and I said, the guy's going to be all right. Um, As someone who hates Ohio State, it's painful, but damn, the guy's good, and he deserves it. Um, In an interesting note, South Carolina has hired uh, former NFL head coach Freddie Kitchens as uh, in an analyst role. Um, It's just... Uh, kind of just noteworthy. Really, I have no thoughts on that, but 
I mean, if you're a college football program, there's no reason not to take guys in on analyst roles if they're willing to do it because uh, it's usually a pretty cheap, and b you get if somebody's in the NFL, they're usually a pretty good and a pretty good football mind, even if they failed at at the NFL level. Yeah, no, nothing to lose and potentially lots of game with a move like that. All right, uh, in uh, an interesting, almost bad. Uh, case a, Cal- a California bill that would have forced schools to share 50% of revenue with football and basketball athletes was uh, voted down in, uh, I guess, uh, the California legislative uh, this week. Uh, that could have been disastrous, Marty. We're already going bad a da- down a really bad path with how bad NIL has gotten already. If we got to, if, if that bill would have passed, you could say goodbye to almost every non-revenue sport uh, minus what would be required through Title uh, X. uh, Sorry, Title... uh, Title Nine. Yeah, Title Nine. uh, Regulations. Yeah, no, absolutely. It would have been a disaster for a lot of the Olympic sports and things of that nature. Um, You know, especially if it's not a school where, like, Wrestling, for example, is huge or something like that. That that would not have been good at all. And it was like it was like ironic because free freaking Pac twelve, uh, their bread and butter is the Olympic sports. Yeah, that's the funny part about it, all of it is it would have been hurting its own schools, and that would have killed it. Um, and not surprisingly, but uh, Fox announced Michigan Ohio State as a noon kickoff. And there are rumors that the Penn State whiteout this year, most likely against, I guess, would be Ohio State this year, um, will be also a new kickoff, uh, which uh, the whiteout, one of the best traditions in all of college football, uh, just isn't the same at noon. So that would be a little bit disappointing. Any last thoughts on that? On, on that? No, I think my biggest thing there is, you know, again, as a Penn State guy, seeing the whiteout at noon, especially a year that's going to be Ohio State, um, definitely would be a big disappointment, but hey, you know, it's not going to make me get any less jazzed up for that game. And the only difference is instead of having to wait till seven, eight o'clock to be buzzed for that game, I'm just going to have to start drinking earlier and make sure I'm buzzed by noon. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess for the punch segment, I'm going to leave it this for our listeners and for us to think about the next episode. Uh, going into next season, what team do we think? is going in with expectations that are too high. Uh, maybe they're coming off a good season. Maybe they're a team that people just think is are going to be back in 2023 as a strong program. So who, who's going to the season with too high of expectations? We'll come back to that question next week. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to an episode of the College Football 365 podcast. My name is Don Count Crowley. He's Marty Leap. Until next time, take care. Uh, have a great week, and it's uh, supposed to be – Uh, Nice and warm here in Pennsylvania. I'm going to the Philadelphia Phillies versus Los Angeles Dodgers game on Saturday night. Looking forward to that. Uh, But stay safe. Have fun. Enjoy the hopefully nice weather. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. And uh, you can also follow us individually. Uh, You can find that on, on Twitter as well as in the podcast description. But we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.